I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode of 12-Pack Radio is made possible by Nextiva, the official communications partner of the Pac-12, and the best business phone service is chosen by U.S. News and World Report. Nextiva helps companies all over Pac-12 countries stay connected with customers and coworkers using one, uno, easy-to-use app. Get Nextiva and get your business. Get some phone service, video causing, team chat, call reporting, and more. Offer a fraction of what you would pay for those services separately. Make great calls every day. Visit nextiva.com slash 12pack to get started. Nextiva.com slash 12pack to get started. Oh, South Don't you dare be sour. Clap for your world-famous two-time champs and feel the power. It's a new day. Yes, it is. For 12-Pack Radio, get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news, the home of the Beta-Rank College Football Statistical Model, and this is a sharp college football. You know it. And, and you know what? Let's be frank. The home of Brian Conger, who went 5-0 against the spread last week. Bow, 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 bow. <laughs> it was a heck of a week for the Pac-12, and we're going to get into all of the results from Week 10. We're going to preview all of Week 11, and I am joined, as always, by the wizard of the college football statistical world mr rob barron what's going on rob oh man i'm i'm excited to be here we have uh we have a full menu to talk about i know yeah it's, it's like you know we have like almost every i think right no no buys this week yeah we have there are no buys this week we have uh coordinator firings we have I mean, there's a, there's a lot on our plates. Sweet, sweet husky on husky action uh, on the sidelines. We'll definitely get to that. Um, yeah, it, it was it was a fun week in the Pac-12. Some of the games made my eyes bleed, but I enjoyed every moment of it. And um, we have a, a lot to get into. Rob, before we get into the firings and some of the coaching uh, items that are on the the menu, what are you know? Give me two impressions that you had of this past week. I think impression number one is uh is how far stanford has really sunk yeah you know i mean like the trajectory has sort of been relentlessly downward i certainly think they're a better team with mckee oh you think with that <laughs> yeah i mean i mean but like when you look at stanford i mean they they really they need a guy who is gonna be a potential day two or better NFL pick running this offense for it to work. Right. And, you know, I do think that they lost some wide receiver talent off last, last season too, but the other side of it, and this has not changed and this has been true for a while. You know, Lance Anderson is probably the worst defensive coordinator in the pac 12. Uh, now that Tim Tibisar has been fired. <laughs> I would still I mean, put uh, up Tibisar against, against Anderson. I mean, right? I mean, Jerry has an RO. Maybe oh, not. yeah, yeah, but, that's true. I mean, just, I mean, oh, just incredibly long running. I mean, and as we sit here and, um, 
you, you know, we talk about it cause we'll talk about some coordinator changes that have happened mid season this year already. Um, you know, what is it going to take? I mean, really, what is it going to take for David Shaw to make some changes on the staff? Because the trajectory is, is this isn't, this isn't new. Like Stanford didn't suddenly hit a wall. They've just been kind of declining in wins and declining in competitiveness really over the last six years. And, and the loss from Oregon, you know, playing Stanford is just going to really be a thorn oh, in yeah. its side here. And yeah, it's, it's interesting because I bet the season win total a four, uh, I bet the over for Stanford. And when they beat Oregon, I'm like, oh man, I'm going to cruise. They might win six. And now I'm like, I'm looking at their schedule and sweating a little bit because yeah. you're, I mean, not you're right. And then the decline is, is crazy. And when West is in that offense is a disaster. Um, and it's not just because of West. And I, I did watch a lot of that game. Like West is, is certainly, um, again, a better quarterback than anybody in the Conger family will ever be likely. Hopefully, hopefully maybe my son, you know, you never know, but see, you know, but like, obviously if you're a D one quarterback, you know, you have some talent, um, but it's just it, relative to everything else. I mean, he was just missing passes and missing reads. But when you can't run the ball, yeah. it makes such a difference for that offense. And when that offense is, is, isn't scoring points, it, it just compounds because the defense is bad. And it's just this like down. I mean, we saw it against <laughs> Utah. I mean, holy Moses, that game was over in like the first 10 minutes. So it was just it was just a total yeah. beat down. Yeah, and I mean that. But my other takeaway is actually the Utes, and I, I'm having, I'm having like flashbacks of like 2019. <laughs> you remember in 2019, going into the Pac-12 championship game? Oh yeah. <laughs> when Baderank, Vegas, and every every other model was on the Utes, right? Like it, and and but like folks that we know that watch tape in the Pac-12 were like. No, no, no. Like Oregon's going to win this game. <laughs> and so I'm having a bit of flashbacks because like the Pac-12 for the most part this season is full of middling to bad teams, right? Yeah. With really like Utah and, you know, Oregon and then a little bit of a gap and, you know, Arizona State and then a big gap and everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Utah is really waxing some bad teams. And that's sort of concern. Like, I mean, Utah right now is up to number seven in the model, um, you know, after just demolishing Stanford. And, and of course the model doesn't see that McKee didn't play. Um, but yeah, I mean, like we've got another week until they play Oregon, but I mean, and this isn't, this Oregon team is, is a little more lopsided than even that 2019 team. I mean, this, this Oregon team has a pretty good offense. The defense hasn't been great, you know, but I still, I mean, like the, the watch out for that Utah team was until they got up against Oregon and Texas, you didn't really see how, I mean, how much their offensive line and defensive line would struggle against you know, top level talent in college football guys that, you know, guys that, you know, like along that Oregon defensive line and that, that you know, that Texas, you know, defensive line. And then, you know, the flip it for the offensive lines, guys that were going to get drafted as well. And, and suddenly the Utes didn't look dominant at all. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm like, I, I'm a little like, cause it's, it's not likely to change. Utah is absolutely going to just smack Arizona around. Um, and Oregon's likely to beat Wazoo. Uh, but uh, Utah's probably going to come into a favor as a favorite in that game in most of the models. I'm interested to see where Vegas has it too coming in. Yeah, well, one of the things for me for the Utes, you know, just going into general impressions, is I feel like they have taken the spot of Oregon State of the hooray, like like all right, where you you you're excited that they're 
that they're doing well, but there is that in the back of your mind that, hmm, <laughs> we'll see. Right. You know, when they when when uh, when the ish hits the fan, where does Utah go when they get punched in the mouth in in a game? And that might happen, or, or it might not. I mean, like you mentioned, the Pac-12 is down. I think Oregon is. I mean, they're fine. Um, and we we'll talk about their win over Washington, but still, like, I don't think that they're a, a like a, a world beater. I don't think that, frankly, at this point, I'm I'm really not confident that they'd win a game in the college football playoff. But it, but it's kind of cool. It's it's good to see Utah, you know, get get going going downhill again. Like you kind of want another team in the Pac-12 to do, particularly in the South. For me, this week yeah. was kind of like a moment of clarity where you take a look at the, all the results and they almost all make sense, right? I mean, outside the, right. the Cal Arizona game because that was a disaster with the COVID stuff, but you know, USC um, scores 16 points against ASU's defense. Um, Oregon beats Washington on the road. Colorado showed that it can do a little bit more than, and I think we kind of saw that coming a little bit um, where the offense is starting to pick up a little bit, but at the same time, bad defense from Oregon state, right? A moment of clarity. You kind of saw, okay, th- this is yeah. all starting to make sense. And of course, you know, Utah just beating the tar out of Stanford when, when West isn't there, but like, so I was talking to my dad cause we, we bet um, Utah and uh, I said, Oh yeah, yeah. Jack West is out. But even if McKee's in, I mean, Utah wins that game and covers. Oh yeah, Utah's gonna win that game. There's not like a question of like, oh, it, it's the by how much, right? Yeah. So yeah, I'm curious. It'll be interesting to see when we go into these upcoming games whether that clarity continues because I do think that all of those results for the most part made sense this week. Kind of for not necessarily the first time. There's been some other weeks where you know things are starting, but it just seems like things are kind of starting to come into to fall into place, which is which is excellent. Um, Let's move to the coaching because we, we want to definitely go through all the, the results and, and preview everything. A lot of coaching changes here. Rob, which which one do you want to start with? Uh, well, let's get the easier one out of the way. <laughs> so after getting uh, after giving up a whole lot of yards and a whole lot of points to a pretty bad Colorado offense, um, you know, Jonathan Smith realized he you know, kind of finally had to pull the trigger on Tim Tibisar. They have sort of languished at and remained a pretty bad, you know, Pac-12, you know, power five defense. And they sort of bottomed out there, right? And, you know, it was it was absolutely time for Smith to make a change. I think at times, I mean, I think I argued two or three years ago, maybe two years ago, that Tibisar probably needed to make a change from Tibisar. Um but certainly, you know, the the time is now because if you look at it, you know, Oregon State, they they actually, you know, offensively, they're pretty good. They're at 18 in beta rank. The special teams are at 38. They've certainly been higher at times in the past on special teams. You feel like they've got that part kind of figured out. If they can just get a decent defensive coordinator, you know, you're talking about by Pac-12 standards, a pretty good football team. So this was a long overdue move. I thought I thought Smith was right to make it. I, I did too, and but I don't want to I don't want to pile on Tibisar because I thought what he was able to do to get Oregon State out yeah. of just the bottom, like literally the bottom of the barrel, and you're like scraping, you know, the residue from years years gone by, um, to get them from like 129 to 80, right? Like that's not easy to do, and it takes particularly with the talent that they had. 
So, you know, credit to him to getting them there. But but to your point, it just seemed like he couldn't get past that, you know, 80, maybe 70s. And for Oregon State to make the next step, which is tough in Corvallis. So, I mean, it's the how's your wife compared to what, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Like, right. how, do you, how do you get somebody coming in that um, is able to recruit? I thought that Tibisar had did a pretty good job bringing in um, – transfers from different programs and that goes on the offensive side too so maybe it's actually smith that's doing this but i think oregon state has been incredibly creative in the transfer portal bringing in players from premier programs that um that can you know they're they're a little bit of a gamble but that's kind of what you need to do there so i'm hoping that I, i agree with you i thought it was the right move to make but i didn't want to like you know look back and go hey that that port that what he what he did for oregon state helped until a few years back yeah, I know. I mean, they were, they were bought. I mean, they were one of the worst teams in all of college football after the way Gary Anderson left them. Um, and, and Tibisar got them at points into like just being a bad power five defense and that's an accomplishment, right? But they weren't able to take that next step at any point on defensively. And that really has, has hurt and put a ceiling on this program because I mean, I, I mean, I think Smith, I mean, I think this offense, if you got an honest to God quarterback in it for Smith, like, I think, I think this offense still has some headroom, but it's yeah. not like a ton, right? Like they're going to have to get better defensively. I think to, to take another step as a program and it, it was time, you know, like for, for this to happen. Yeah. Any, any possible names to float before we, we move on to it's Washington? A, I mean, it's a tough one in that, like, you know, it's Oregon state. They're not going to have like a bajillion dollars to offer that kind of thing. They're not necessarily, they're, they're not likely to attract like a really big name, but then again, Smith has tremendous job security at, you know, Oregon state, you feel like, so, you know, it's, it's not one <clears throat> where you feel, uh, you know, and and we've seen this before, right? The coach, the coach promises to make some change, you know, coordinator changes, um, but then has trouble going out to the market and getting good coordinators because no one wants to come work for a coach on the hot seat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I don't think that's the case here with Smith. Um, I mean, I would just be interested to see, you know, right now, uh, you know, you know, does he go? There's been some really good success with some folks. If you've seen Zach Arnett at Mississippi State, um, Tony White at Syracuse, um, you know, San Diego State, Rocky Long disciples, and of course, like the San Diego State defense itself. I would, if I were Jonathan Smith, I'd probably go try to hire San Diego State's defensive coordinator, um, whose name escapes me at the moment. Steve Aztec. Yeah. <laughs> uh it is not Zach Arnett. That is the old one. Uh that is um Kurt Maddox. Uh or um, you know, going and uh, you know, maybe seeing if Jake Dickert doesn't get the head coaching job at Washington State. Um, I think that would be a really good name for them to pick up. But I mean, I, th- I think that if they can get somebody really good coming out of the group of five levels, say like from San Diego state, I think that'd be a big win for them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to see who they can get because I agree with you. I think Nolan is a placeholder. Let's see some of the other quarterbacks that Oregon state's able to bring in. 
Um, and I think it's a it's funny because it's not a huge name program, but they have a good offensive line coach, and that has to be worth something when you're going out and you're recruiting people and saying, "Hey, come to." He-. Not only are, do you have the chance to play for a Power Five program, but you have the chance to play for a Power Five program with a good offensive line and with a coach that is a really good offensive coach that's going to make you look good. Uh, I'm 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 just kind of excited to see who Oregon State's going to be able to bring to Corvallis. And, you know, that side's already set. So if they can bring in somebody on the defensive front, I do think that they're going to go bowling. I still think they have a chance this year, but um, clearly needed to make an upgrade there. Uh, You know, moving on to Washington, John Donovan out as offensive coordinator. And look, I don't I don't want to I mean, we've 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 belabored this point like a gazillion times. So (laughs) it's not uh, it's not like a huge thing. Let's not take a victory lap for everyone that said we were wrong, (laughs) but (laughs) I do. So the the only thing, the only thing that I want to say about that, well, clearly it was the the right, right thing to do. Um, and, and uh, look, Washington, I would love for Washington to be a premier program. Um, we'll talk about Jimmy like here shortly, but you know, clearly, well, this move should have been made after the, the Montana, <laughs> the debacle, yeah. frankly. And I know it was like an early game, but you kind of just, I mean, after watching what they had done the previous year, but the one thing was, so I tweeted out like the morning before he was fired, because that offense was just terrible against Oregon. And and look, Oregon's defense is fine. Um, but that, and we'll, we'll talk about the Washington Oregon game, but Washington's defense came out on fire. Like they were yeah. ready to, fr- and they were fun to watch. They were like, yeah, the pick, you know, almost the pick six and all that stuff. And then the offense just totally, it was like somebody pulled the bones from somebody's body and they just fell to the floor. <laughs> like that was the offense. And I'm like, finally glad that it was on national TV for everybody to see. So that Donovan got fired. But so the morning that it happened, I tweeted out, um, Oh, John Donovan is still the OC at Washington. What a world. And immediately got two, um, one of them was QB 11. So I knew that he was, he was trolling, but I got another response and basically it was the same thing. It was this guy, guy, Josh Roth. He said, not fair to call for his job. He's been in the system once a year, uh, one for one year and won the division. Um, he needs another year or two to be able to recruit his guys. And I'm like, that is the stupidest take I have ever heard. And then I clicked <laughs> up and I clicked on his profile and it was an Oregon fan. <laughs> Like that is amazing. Like it's really, really funny that even Oregon fans are like, no, 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 this man deserves it some more time. So um anyway, so please, please keep him on. I mean, it's like the people that used to, you know, clamor for Clay Helton to to keep his job and you'd click on him and it would be everybody else in the Pac twelve. Yeah, yeah, nine wins, guys. Isn't that awesome? Uh no, I mean like bit you know, obviously uh the the right move way too late. Um, and, yeah. and the wrong decision never is, should have been hired. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean just, yeah. yeah. I mean, Lake was so arrogant about it. That's what just irks me like Lake rather than, and, and his reaction to, and it wasn't just us, nearly everyone who knew anything about college football saying, wait a minute, this is a bad idea. And his reaction is like, Nope, this is, I, I, I make all the smart decisions. Um, you know, just, it was, and really to lose at home to Oregon and, and, and Oregon only put up 26 and yeah, they could have punched in and we're going to try to punch in another touchdown at the end. But it's not that Oregon was some offensive juggernaut in that game. You know, they were eventually able to get the run game going, which is, you know, Washington's Achilles heel on defense. But, you know, I think if you're, if you're a Washington fan, like, man, it just, it suddenly feels really this, this, what had felt like for, and you could see it if you, 
interact with or talk to Washington fans on on the Twitter machine, um, you know, they are, you know, they can feel how tenuous it feels because the offense is fully in a ditch in a worse spot than it was even under Hamdan. And then defensively, I, I mean, it just doesn't feel like, I mean, you, we talked about this, like, I mean, they got to go out and recruit and develop an on Wuzurike type, uh, Vita Vea type, right? Like yeah. they clearly don't have anybody that can be a space eater to gap in the middle of that defense. And, you know, we talked about this with Cal, like that might be a multi-year fix. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see what, what the case, uh, basically what adjustments they make on defense because, you know, Bob Gregory and you just kind of go, I mean, when, when he did that too, it was kind of like, are we, are we sure that that's right. the move? You know, I know that Lake is the defensive mind, but still like you're Washington and right. Like I think Husky fans want, anyway, we've, we've gone down this road. Um, and, and let's not talk about possible replacements because I don't know what Lake's going to do. Like, I, you know, is he going to, is he going <laughs> to double down? Is he like what, you know, he wants to clearly, he made this decision because that's what he wanted the offense to be. Um, right. So I am fascinated to see if he is going to, you know, completely 180 this and go, all right, I was wrong. I don't, <laughs> I don't think he's going to, uh, but we'll see. We'll see if that's the case. But I mean, Lake has some issues too. He's suspended today. Um, right. I, so I, I saw, uh, so I, I, when, when, when it happened, I'm like, ah, not, not a great look. And I'm somebody that when Izzo grabbed that player, I don't know if you saw this clip, but when they played UCLA and at halftime, Izzo like grabbed his player and yanked him and pulled him through that. Like, pull, I mean, it was it was completely inappropriate. And I know that a lot of the Michigan State players came in and said, you know, we we we'll, we'll run through a wall for this guy. Like, yeah, that's true. But he grabbed somebody by by his arm and pulled him aggressively toward him. And I just thought like it was crazy that he didn't get suspended or something for that. So that's kind of where my mentality was when I saw the lake. Uh, you know, people were like, oh, he slapped him in the face. I'm like he hit him on his helmet. Like, hey, he had his helmet on on the <laughs> like, top of his helmet. Yeah. yeah, hit him on the top of his helmet and and put. I thought the push was was too much, but I didn't like. Frankly, I didn't think it warranted a suspension. I I think it warranted warranted an apology and then let's move yeah. on because frankly, that player was was probably probably trying to fight somebody and, and Lake's like, get your ass away from the sideline. So I, th- I thought the push was too much, but I did think that this is a bit of an overreaction. Um, I still think that he, he should have publicly apologized and he did, but I don't know. Like, did you think that he deserved the suspension? No, I mean, I just don't, I don't think if, I mean, I'm, I'm having a hard time with this one. Cause like, I don't know what Washington's really playing at here because <laughs> I, I'm with you. I don't think this is necessarily a suspension, right? And I don't think if you're Washington, you could string it out into something like, nope, we fire people for stuff like that. Right. But like, clearly Lake is on thin ice, right? Like Lake, Lake has very much lost large section of the fan, large sections of the fan base already. Um, You know, they're sitting at four and five (laughs) right now on the season. With an easy schedule. Like, right. That was the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And, and in a year where, and, and I said, this was, I mean, and I took some heat for it in the, you know, like 
I mean, like, but people thought like bought in onto what, like he, Washington was Phil Steele's surprise team for this season. I mean, whatever. Phil Steele's Phil, Phil Steele is just mailing it in at this point. Yeah. Yeah. He has Texas um, like every year, you know, like, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Whoever has, whoever has a bunch of returning starters is Phil Steele's surprise team. Like that newsflash, like that's how he does it. There's not, it's, it's not thoughtful or interesting. Um, you know, but like a lot of Washington fans still came into this season, you know, sort of rubbing in Oregon's face that they, you know, won the, you know, won the division last year. And they're, they're really used to still being, you know, like, you know, one of the top teams in the Pac-12 North. And I mean, it's just all falling apart. Right. I mean, it is, it is very much all falling apart. Um, and I don't, th- I mean, I, I, it, it's going to be tough to see. I mean, that's what, like, I just, it just it feels like such a little thing to get suspended for, right? If there were not major yeah. movers behind this, like, and I mean this like major donors behind the scenes that wanted him to have some additional punishment because <laughs> I just, I don't see this coming down, you know, like where the administration's like, Oh, I mean, it's a, it's a look, I mean, Washington, Washington holds itself. Pu- I mean, this is beyond Jimmy Lake saying stupid things in public, which he does all the time. Yeah, early and often. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, but you know, Washington likes to, you know, has a particular image that they like to project. So I get that having your coach doing that is is not what the image that Washington wants to project. That said, I still think if Jimmy Lake isn't like probably doesn't probably have donors just like, you know, bleeding from their eyeballs mad, he probably does not get suspended for this. This feels like, you know, Washington donors wanted to send Lake a message. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it'll be um, interesting to see where the program goes from here. Uh, we'll keep a look on that. Any Anything else? I, I, one, one last thing to mention, because I thought it was a uh, – I, and I forget who retweeted. It's probably John Wilner. Um, you know, they, they were talking about uh, Graham Harrell as being a candidate for Washington State. I would say very much please no. Like that, I think that's oh, no, that was Jake heaps. Like Jake heaps was like, cause Harold interviewed for the Texas tech job, which he didn't get. It went to a guy at Baylor, but yeah, like they're like, you know what? Like he would change the culture, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, is this trolling? I mean, in my head, I'm thinking like, is this trolling? <laughs> Like, is this like trying like, I mean, please take Graham. Like, it's like the same thing as like, keep, you know, keep John Donovan. He needs a chance. Right. Like, um, but I couldn't make any sense of it. Like, I mean, Harold has no business. I mean, he Harold is a guy f- full stop that needs to go be a group of five head coach before he ever gets a shot at a power five. Oh, absolutely. Well, wasn't he at uh, North Texas or was he the, the coordinator? He was the offensive coordinator there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with you. I, I just kind of wanted to float that just in case you disagreed because <laughs> I saw that and I roll my eyes not only rolled, they like fell out of my head as like, a, you know, just the sigh was just the sarcastic. Uh, so it, anyway. it just makes you wonder, like I often find myself with like people, the stuff that they say around football. I'm like, I swear to God, like what I like Utah and Stanford this Friday night was just like utter insanity of people just saying just bizarre things about the game. Yeah, it's, um, a, it's like those things where it says, tell, tell me you didn't watch a game without watching the game or whatever. <laughs> yeah, or just tell me you haven't watched Stanford in years. They're like, Stanford needs, people really, People were saying like, Stanford needs to lose the intellectual brutality offense. I'm like, what? 
what are you even talking about? <laughs> like Stanford hasn't run that offense since Mike Blumgren went to Rice. Yeah, the, um, the uh, I'm so anyway. Let, let, let's get to let's get to Stanford <laughs> when we preview the game. It just drives me freaking nuts where that program is gone. Um, anything else to to cover before we uh, jump into the next section? No, let's roll. All right, well, uh, get to all the games here, and we'll get to them right after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the Deal. deal. Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. All right, we're back. We're going to go through all of the Pac-12 Week 10 games, preview all of the Pac-12 Week 11 games. And Rob, we have a wonderful slate. Again, if you're new to us, this is how we work through the slate. We go through the games that are upcoming, and we talk about how those teams did in the previous week, and then we give our picks for the week. One thing to mention I think we've done this four years in a row or three years uh, running. And every year I've gone uh, more done better than 50% betting against the spread or picking against the spread all, all games, even games I don't want to bet. And um, I think I've gotten to 54% at least in the last like three years. And that I was getting a little worried here, Rob, because I was I did pretty well during the non-conference schedule. And then I kind of treaded water the last three or four weeks going about 500 ish and then five and oh back to back to 54 percent back where i belong i feel i feel like you know somebody set the temperature (laughs) in my house at like the exact degrees that i wanted this is where i'm comfortable (laughs) Um, but um looking at this week rob we have some interesting games i'm wondering if things are finally starting to settle down but where do you want to start uh well let's start i mean there there are some interesting games here there's not there's not like a you know, like a premier type matchup, but I, I, you know, an interesting game I think is let's do the Arizona state Washington game. Cause that, that should be a good game. And it, it matters. Uh, it very much matters for the sun devils. Yeah. Yeah. And in the sun devils last week, um, or like yesterday, I mean, I guess it's last week, <laughs> but, um, a little bit of a, of a close game in the first half, but really yeah. pulled away from USC 31 to 16. And one of the things that I was worried about, with this game, I didn't bet this game. I picked ASU, but I didn't put money on it because I didn't know where the headspace for ASU was. Um, the last couple of games, they've come out flat. There have been some reports from like Doug Haller and a couple other people at ASU just talking about the kind of the tenor of the program right now. But they took care of business. I mean, USC sucks. Let's, let's I mean, yeah. their defense sucks. And I'm not surprised that ASU scored 31 on them. Um, but there, there was a scenario where they just totally crapped the bed and USC was able to throw on them. And that didn't happen. And I just thought that the, the performance they gave gave me some hope for, for the, the kind of the tail end of the season here. Is that what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think people sort of overdid it a little bit with, you know, the or, you know, predicting the early death of Arizona State, <laughs> you know, it's a good team. because they well, yeah, because I mean, people forget, you know, I mean, um, and I feel like I, I, I explain this a lot to people because usually when I open up a game where beta rank was like way off, um, I'll open it up and I'll look 
and there'll be a lot of turnovers <laughs> in the and, and ASU, I mean, really turned the ball over against Washington State. You know, and, and a good portion of what makes up turnover luck is is randomness. You know, um, so I, you know, I thought I think people overstated it. I, I think they showed up and played really well against USC. They ran the ball really effectively. Yeah. Um, and Daniels was, Daniels was all right. I mean, was he? Uh, let's like, not kid ourselves. Daniels was yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they just, they just ran the ball really well. And then they let USC with its idiotic two quarterback rotation. Holy moly. Um, just give it back. Right. Cause I mean, Daniels threw, turned it over twice and then they're like, oh yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, 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 you know, we'll, we'll give those back to you with the uh, Slovis and Dart each having one. You take a look at the rushing right? Like under a hundred yards rushing for USC, you know, compared to 7,000 yards for ASU. And we know that, that USC's defense is bad. And here's exhibit 17 about it being bad, particularly the rush. I mean, the fact that Arizona was able to run the ball on the ground against them, I think was, was um, the third uh, canary in the coal mine. And, and here we are with ASU actually having a good rushing offense and, you know, they took care of business, which they, they should have, you know, on the other, right. uh, anything else on this game? I, I mean, it kind of was what it was, but you know, is there anything else that stood out for you? No, I mean, my concern, I think going into the last couple games really is, is too. And as we look at, you know, as we'll cover when USC plays Cal is like, man, what does USC even really have in the tank? You yeah. know, Oh, um, yeah. I mean, in what kind of continuity can, I mean, like the defense is obviously just God awful, you know, uh, with London out, um, you know, in this two QB rotation that they're, you know, for reasons I fully do not under, I do not in any way, Dorothy Williams is not going to be the head coach at USC. I don't know what he is doing. <laughs> No, he's just pissing off Slovis. I mean, that's what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, they're just, I just, you just kind of look at it. It's just, I'm flummoxed at the whole thing. So like my only watch out going forward is like, uh, I mean, what does USC even have to, to play for and do? Yeah. On the other end, you know, we talked about the Huskies. We'll probably talk more about Oregon when we get into their, their game, but you know, Dylan Morris, 15 to 27 for 111 yards and a pick. And gosh, like 60 yards on the ground against, yeah. uh, look, again, uh, Oregon defense that has talent, but it's, well, I mean, like, what is it? Where, where does Beta Rank have it right now? Beta Rank has this defense in a pretty bad spot. I think they're at 48 overall on Beta Rank. I mean, you can, they tackle well, they contain explosive drives well, they struggle to get off the field. Like, you can put together, and I mean, I'm sorry, but like, it's not just like, oh my gosh, like this happened one game. This happened against Arizona. This happens against UCLA. Like you can put together drives against this team. They struggle to find ways to get off the field. Yeah. And I would argue when they show up, they're a top 25 defense, but they're like a top yeah. 20 to you know 25 to 20 defense. They're not like a top 10 defense. Um, I mean, no. this was just embarrassing on so many fronts for, for the Huskies. Yeah, th- this game. And again, like I kind of mentioned this at the beginning, but my goodness, that stadium was rocking. The defense came out. They they uh, immediately get the pick, that, which was a stupid pass from Brown. And we'll get to the the offensive. You know, like what well, I, I think Oregon's in a little bit of a weird spot. But they yeah. you know they get the momentum there. They punch it in for a touchdown. They get the safety. The stadium is rocking, and then the offense 
over and over and over and over again just could not do anything to they should you have a remotely bad offense and you win this game and they didn't right. and the thing that worries me about them playing ASU is yes Donovan's gone but like what <laughs> like are they going to go to an air raid you know, the one thing that that I did read recently was the the guy that's taking over for offensive play calling duties um, said that the quarterback position is is up in the air, so we might see some uh, Sam oh, Hewitt. Yeah, which which should be awesome. Like, right? Dylan Morris has been kind of a mess for I don't know, like ten games now. I don't know what it would like. I don't know. I mean, like, but how much of that is the John Donovan effect? I mean. Yeah, yeah. Well, like the problem is though, it's not like you remove Donovan and boom, all your troubles are are gone, right? Like there is a system and a mentality, and like, oh yeah, Washington doesn't have the culture to just sling no, the ball everywhere. And the offensive line coach isn't good. Um, you know, but I mean, look, I mean, look, if you're Washington, this is embarrassing. I mean, Arizona put up 19 points on Oregon with five interceptions. <laughs> 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 like Arizona could could have and maybe should have scored like 30 something against Oregon. <laughs> but five interceptions. I mean, Washington could not move the ball at all, you know, just a, just a truly embarrassing offensive performance. I mean, <clears throat> Bader Inc. has this offense all the way down at 98. Oh my I mean, and they have so much more talent than that. I mean, if you gave Washington's, like if you gave Washington's players to someone else, they could probably string together a top 30 offense. Like I know right? like that's not is... necessarily going to get you to the playoff, but like, you know, that's a lot better than 98. Oh yeah. I mean, imagine if they were um, playing for Jonathan Smith again, or like, you know, I know Rolovich is gone, but like put this Washington team in his system and now it's yeah. kind of, I think the the wide receiving talent actually I don't think is good. So you would need to change right. that a little bit. But to your point, like, yeah, obviously uh, with another, but I just, I don't think it's there. And then now they come and play an ASU team that just showed that they're not, they haven't folded. They have a good defense and they can run the ball. I know that right. this is like, you know, and so the spread I thought was fascinating because no, like the one, the one hiccup here is it's possible that Washington just plays out of their mind because their coach is suspended and they fired the offensive coordinator, but I just don't think they have it in them. I'm, I'm taking ASU in the six and I I think that they win by 14. Like, I just think that ASU wins this game. It's down to 5.5 at Caesars, which I found fast. It opened at four and then went up to six. I mean, I like, I mean, I, I like Arizona state by more than that. I mean, look, Arizona's like, Arizona ran the ball on Washington, right? Yeah. Like, you can run the ball on the Huskies. Um, you know, their, their defense right now, it does sit at number 18 overall in beta rank, but they're at 76 in effective rush, right? Like you're, you're going to be able to get all the rushing yards you want against them, particularly in A and B gap. Oregon was able to do it. ASU runs the ball pretty well. They're going to put up some rushing yards here. Washington does not have a come from behind offense. Junior Adams who's going to be their play caller. He was, he, he wasn't great at the, as the offensive coordinator at Western Kentucky. 
Um, they had some decent drive efficiency numbers in his two years as OC, so you feel like he can string some plays together. I just think it's going to be really hard for them, you know, over the entire game. Baderink has this as, let me see, I think it's more. Yeah, Baderink's got it at 6.77. And that's, you know, with Arizona State on the road. Yeah, I'm taking, I'm taking the Sun Devils here for sure. ASU's defense is good. Their secondary is good. Their rush defense is pretty good. Like, I just, it would be different if this team was USC, right? USC comes into Washington and like, you know, you can throw on them and all of a sudden you see the five-star freshmen and they're running the ball a little bit, but ASU, like that, that's a legit defense that can really limit teams. And I just think they're going to be able to do that. Uh, Okay. All right. Where to next? Let's do, what do we got? Let's do Stanford, Oregon State, because I think, I think this is it for the bees. I think they finally get over the hump. Oh man. All right. We're going to fight about this because I think 12 points is too much. I do. I do. I know it's weird. So here's the thing. Well, okay. Well, well, let me back up. The 12 points is too much. If it's McKee, if it's Jack West, like this could be 40 to like seven uh, or maybe 40 to six. Like (laughs) the the thing is, well, I wouldn't even say that because I do think that Oregon state's defense is bad. Um, Stanford can throw the ball. And I don't trust Oregon State's secondary farther than I can throw them. But if McKee's not taking snaps, then I do think that this gets out of hand. I don't know. Does that? <laughs> I mean, I think it's interesting, right? Like we talked about it a little bit. The, um, you know, I mean, I don't know. Like we like this Oregon State Colorado game. You know, where it was pretty obvious that they were going to struggle stopping, you know, Colorado's offense. I mean, they kind of got away from the run a little bit. You know, like they. Um, you know, Nolan ran it sometimes and, 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 but like they, Nolan, they were a little more balanced than I was expecting them to be, you know, Nolan threw it 38 times in this game. I mean, he wasn't bad. I mean, Washington, you know, Colorado's defense is not good. (laughs) Um, you know, I, I just, I'm like, I, I think if McKee's playing, you know, that might be. Just too many points. I mean, man, Baderank is right on Vegas this this week. Baderank has it at thirteen. Yeah. For Oregon State at home, um, I, I just, I, I mean, I think Oregon State <clears throat> is going to be able to run the ball here against Stanford, um, and I think you know, and I and I think unlike Col- like I think Colorado is really able to sell out against the run. Um, and put the beeves in a bad spot, right? Um, you know, where I think that they were really in trouble. Um, I do think, I mean, it, it, the the key to this game sort of getting out of hand and maybe staying out of hand is Oregon State can't get behind, right? No, <laughs> like, yeah. They, are, they, they have shown in the last couple of weeks, like, they, I mean, it, they start to have a little bit of a panic set in, Um if they get behind cause the, 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 you know, and if it starts to look like the defense can't get a stop or two, um, I think that they will be able to get a stop or two against Stanford. Um, and I just, I mean, they're Stanford's at one fifteen on effective rush. I mean, Utah <laughs> yeah, just, I mean, and I don't, I don't think Utah has a great offensive line. I mean, Utah just ran it down their throats. Um, I really, I, I like the Beavs to be able to to run the ball and put up points. I, although I liked them to do that last week, <laughs> and, and it didn't work. Um, so yeah, I, I I think they I think they're able to do it. Uh, and I, I don't know. And even if McKee plays, I just I, I I like the Beavs in this game. I think I think that firing 
I think firing Tibisar really, you know, sends a message and gets their attention. I hear you. The the flip side of this would be how the beeves have been playing. Um, you know, dropping the cow. Awful. Right. Oh. And then and then Buffalo, right? So uh or the Buffalo. So the Buffs with Lewis, three touchdowns, no picks. Yeah. Now if it's McKee, it's like I don't think we should pick this because we don't know the quarterback, but if it is McKee, yeah. now you have like a really competent pass offense that can can throw on on this defense. And I don't trust the rush defense really all that much either. And look, Stanford yeah. is awful at running the ball. So I'm not I'm not saying that they're going to get like 150 yards, but they could get like 80 and a touchdown. And if they do that and you add in the passing attack, if it's McKee, that keeps this game close. And like there is multiple worlds and alternate universes where Stanford wins this game. Like I, I just like I firmly believe that. And it's on the road, whatever. This like it's not on the road against Utah. It's not on the road, you know, we're like uh Corvallis isn't gonna be fi- as fired up, right? It's a sleepy Stanford team. Um, I just think that there's a chance where they really do keep this close and they actually have a chance of winning, but um but the, but but the frustrating part, right, is there is a world where the beeves just run it up the gut for seven yards. But but we said that against Cal, right? Oh, the beeves are just going to get six yards, six yards, six yards, fifty. And you watch that right. defense like pretty much stop that rushing attack often and early. <laughs> and um, yeah, I don't know. Cal's better at stopping the run than Stanford is clearly. But anyway, like I just feel like I feel like twelve is a lot well, if Stanford's- it's McKee. What Stanford's good at on on defense is is defending the pass, and you you really do have to kind of. I mean, they're at one fifteen an effective rush. They're at thirty though an effective pass. Yeah, you do kind of feel like that they might be able to, you know, sort of sit back and and stack the box against Oregon State, um, and try to force the beefs to throw. But I think the main thing here is that, that that's really hurt the beefs is I mean they went down ten early to Colorado, and it just sort of. It sort of felt like panic set in, and I just don't expect them to go down early again to to the Stanford team. Yeah, I can see that. I'm going to take the points. I don't know if I'm going to bet on this game because I, I really want to see who the quarterback is. But if it is McKee, then um, then I'll take if if it's if it's West. This pick does not count. <laughs> like, that is it is that big of a difference. <laughs> if it's West, I want all of the like give me all the Oregon State smoke because they're just gonna beat the crap yeah. out of them. Um, but I don't know. Do you want to make a pick on this? It's up to you. Uh, I mean, if it's, I'm just gonna just I'm gonna hedge it right. I'm gonna take if it's West, I'll take the Beeves. I'm sorry, if it's West, I'll take Stanford or the Beeves. If it's if it's McKee, I'm gonna take Stanford. Yeah, keep a lookout for this. If it is West, you should jump on this. I mean, this is a game where, like, if if Stanford can't move the ball through the air, they can't move the ball, period. And now you have Oregon State just making that defense tired for four quarters. So uh, something to keep a lookout for. All right, uh, we we have a number of more games to get to. Let's get it to some of them right after this. All right, we're back. We got four more games to cover here. Some interesting one here is Robert. Robert, where do you want to go? Let's do UCLA, Colorado. Big spread Saturday here. UCLA, Colorado. Colorado is a 15-point underdog on the road against UCLA. And Colorado, Rob, has, has started to string together a little bit of an offense. Yeah, I mean, it's they certainly have. Um, you know, it, it helps to get some horrendous defenses. Um, yeah, but they get another one, right? I mean, <laughs> there you go. 
Like if you're, if you're Colorado, like you're, you're like definitely hitting your, your stride against, uh, I mean, it's, it's going to be funny. Cause like people are, you know, Colorado could like <clears throat> roll out some winning streak until they get into, um, you know, the, the, uh, you know, we're starting to look good down the stretch and it's really just going to be like that usual thing where like the schedule just lightens up or something like that. But this UCLA defense is at 87 and beta, beta rank. They're 83 against the run, 86 against the pass. Um, Colorado is, is managed to find their way to be relatively effective running the football all 55 and effective rush. I think they're going to be able to really run the football against this UCLA team, despite the idiots out there that keep insisting mostly Utah fans that keep insisting that UCLA has a good run defense. They suck. <laughs> defending the run. And I expect Colorado to be able to show up and run the football on them. Beta rank has this a little bit closer. They've got it at 15.23. It opened at 17. Yeah. That um, was the bummer. I, I, yeah. I, I like Colorado at, with, uh, at 17. Holy Moses. It popped back up uh, to 16 and a half. I think I bet it at 14. Oh. Oh Lord Almighty! Oh. Somebody came in real hard on the on the um, on the Bruins. Let me take a look here. Well, they must be expecting Thompson Robinson to play. Um, it was his thumb. He is that kept him out. Um, yeah, and I mean that's like they're like I I like UCLA's offense against this Colorado team. I think they're going to be able to run the ball pretty effectively here. Um, and I think Thompson Robinson is more of a threat when he runs the ball too, than certainly chance Nolan is. Uh, and uh, you know, they, they certainly have, you know, they're at 25, you know, in beta rank offensively. Um, you know, Colorado, one thing they do well is they defend the pass pretty well, 44 an effective pass. Um, but UCLA is better than, than Oregon state throwing the football. They're at 62 overall. I, I just, I, I think UCLA is definitely going to win this game barring like a three turnover performance, but it's hard to see UCLA winning by like 20. Yeah. I just, I just feel like 16 and a half is a lot. And I mean, if, if they were, if they were going up against a good defense, or even like a moderately okay defense, like Cal, be like, mm, like I still think Cal's defense isn't that great, but but it would give me a little bit more pause. Going up against UCLA, um, I I I still think that front seven of Colorado is better than the numbers say. Um, I think that they can show up and make it more difficult. Like I think UCLA is going to move the ball on the ground, but they can make at least make it difficult enough for them to do that. And then if you're trusting Dorian Thompson Robinson to throw the ball, like God bless you. So I, yeah, <laughs> I'll take the 16 and a half. I've already bet this. Um, if it pops back up to 17, I'm going to double down because that's another key number that I want. Uh, and Rob, you're taking the points. Yeah. Yeah. Give me the buffs on this one. All right. Um, speaking of big spreads, Utah, 24, <laughs> 24 on the road against Arizona. This is the, like, if you believe in trap games, this is, the, boy, do I have a this bridge to sell you. This is the biggest trap game. <laughs> right, because they have Oregon at home next week, right? Yep. Just came off of a win, big win against Stanford. They beat ASU, and now they got to go to Tucson and face this stupid Arizona team that scored like five points against Colorado when the whole team had COVID. Um, they scored zero point. They scored <laughs> what? Seven, 10 against Cal, right? Yeah. Or was yeah it? They scored 10. They had the field goal and then, um, and then they, they finally did get a touchdown and it was a legitimate touchdown. They actually got there. But um, I mean, like first let's talk about Utah. I mean, ho- holy goodness. They just blew the doors off of Stanford. Anything you want to add to that? Like I, everything looked great. 
Yeah, I mean, they're a really explosive offense. They're number four in effective rush and beta rank right now. Um, I think rising still does add a nice dimension to this offense that maybe we haven't seen from them before. Um, they get an Arizona defense that's at 75 right now in beta rank, um, but they're really bad against the run 90 in effective rush. That is not where you want to be against Utah. Um, I think Utah's, I mean, <clears throat> Arizona last week got Kion bars back. Mo Diallo may play in this game, but the defensive line's a little banged up. They struggled to defend the run. Anyway, USC ran the ball on this Arizona team. I mean, I just, I think Utah's going to run the ball for a lot of yards. Didn't Ky- did bars punch somebody in the dick? Do you yes. see this? Yes. <laughs> Is he not suspended for that? Like that should be like, <laughs> we just suspended Jimmy Lake for hitting somebody on the helmet. We're not going to suspend somebody <laughs> for a dick punch. <laughs> You cannot you cannot be suspended for that. I'm sorry. Oh my gosh, it's ridiculous. Um, so I'm I'm just gonna go through real fast because Arizona. The one thing to keep in mind here is Arizona is is banged up. Um, Donovan Lai is injured. Jamari Joyner is injured. Um, Josh McCauley is injured. I'm taking a look and see. I mean, JB Brown is out for the season. I mean, so like Arizona is banged up, and they suck. Um. But they're at home. They're getting 24 on a team that is absolutely going to be looking towards Oregon. They have shown, like Arizona has shown, that they can move the ball a little bit with Plummer if he's not going to throw it to a team with the opposite jersey. Um, and I like you. What, 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 uh, what's Utah's defense with in Beta Rank right now? They're 21. Okay, what are the splits? They're uh, 24 in effective rush, 28 in effective pass. Mm-hmm. See, what sort of worries me about this Arizona team is, I mean, how healthy is Plummer, right? You shut and your dirty mouth. Hits is, that, that man is, no, that man is uh, invincible. <laughs> right, but how many hits is he going to take in this game? <laughs> uh, gosh, Arizona is, yeah, yeah. That's like, because uh, like, I got to be frank, like Arizona's offensive line is not good. I don't think I, I need to, like, I don't think I have to be frank to say that. I mean, I think everyone knows that. I mean, Arizona's offensive line is hot garbage. Um, and I don't know that they're going to be able to keep plumber upright <laughs> in this game. It's a disaster. And if that's the case, it's going to be a complete blowout. Cal, who is probably playing their fourth string walk-ons, like made plumber's hand bleed and like broke seven of his bones. Uh, like I watched Arizona stunk against that defense. I mean, Arizona looked bad. Most of that game. Oh, they were terrible. Like this game was awful. And the only reason Arizona won was because there weren't players on Cal that like actually played in, in actual games before. Um, right. But right. Like one game does not a program make. And I have seen Arizona move the ball against yeah. teams. This is a much better defense than I think anybody that they've played recently where they actually show that they can move the ball. Um, right. But I just, I just feel like I think this is a look ahead game. I think Arizona is going to come out and play stronger than they normally do. I think they lose this game by 17 or 20. Um, and maybe there's even a backdoor cover. I'm, I'm just going to take the points in a game like this where I think Utah handles business and like probably takes her foot off the gas, even if they're, they're ahead. So I don't know. I'll take, I'll take the points. I'm not betting this game, but that it's a lot for a game in the desert with Oregon on, on the, you know, in, in the future. I'm, I'm taking the Utes. I think they're going to do this just to mess with me before they go into the Oregon game. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
I think they're going to do like, cause like if Utah showed up to this game and played okay, like they might drop to a more, a spot in the model where I'm a little more comfortable with where they're at. Um, you know, like I just, I don't think they're going, like, I think that this Arizona defense is really bad. I think it's going to be like Stanford where even if Utah is trying to take their foot off their gas, they're still running for like 30 yard gains. Yeah. If the, I would put it this way, if this game was in Utah and, or if Utah was playing like Washington state next, I would totally take Utah in this game. I just think, I think there's the, there's some motivational factors here, but I, I completely agree with the numbers and the, and the, you know, like the mentality and, and like the X's and O's breakdown, but um, I'll, I'll take the points anyway. I mean, beta race got it at 27. Oh, I only three I mean, right on. I mean, it's pretty close, but I, I'm going to lean a little Utah here. Okay. Let's go to the better game here. The last two Washington state 14 point favorite on the road at Oregon. This line opened at 17 and immediately got smashed by three points. It's, it's why you want to get those, get those bets in early, get a book bookie that puts those numbers up early. Cause I don't have one. And I was like 17. Hell yeah. And then I finally was able to, to pull the trigger and I had to do it at 14. I think this is way too many points. Washington state, by the way, coming off a buy. Um, but let's talk about Oregon's performance against Washington here. What's it out for you? If, if anything, I mean, I thought what was really impressive about the Ducks' performance was <clears throat> the way they were able to run the football. You know, I mean, I, I mean, look, I mean, it was, I mean, the, I think there are legitimate questions about Anthony Brown as the quarterback for this team and what he puts the ceiling at potentially. That's totally fair. The conditions were horrible, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, but you know, I thought you know the fact that Oregon was able to eventually put it together and really get Die going. Um, you know, and, and run, they were, you know, they rushed, including, you know, Brown's rushing numbers and, you know, Cardwell, you know, over 300 yards, I thought was really impressive in the game. Um, you know, I thought the defense was fine. I mean, Washington's, you know, shutting down Washington is not an yeah. impressive feat. It looked um, more impressive because of the time the game was at and because it was yeah. a big game. But if this was like, I, I love uh, cover three is one of my favorite podcasts. And they talk about how games at night. Um, and I know this was kind of at night, but like just the, the atmosphere kind of got into the evening time um, games at night just seem like more important than they are during. If this game was during the day against like a team that was just as good as Washington, but didn't have Washington jerseys on, you'd be like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, whatever this team sucks, like the not Oregon, but the team that they played sucks. <laughs> but because it was at night in the rain in a, in a game that has two big names, the defense just felt stronger. This Washington team is yeah. trash and the offense is trash. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, I'm yeah. just kind of going into what you're saying. No, no. I mean, look, I mean, I think this is, I think this line is way too high. Um, you know, like Oregon sitting at 22 in beta rank, Washington state's at 39. Washington state's got a pretty good defense. They're at 23 overall in beta rank defensively. They're at number 39 in effective rush number 13 in effective pass. They're going to find ways to get pressure onto you. Um, Oregon's offense is pretty good. They're at number 14 overall. Um, you know, but they're at 49 and effective pass. I mean, they're going to have to be able to show up and really run the football here, but Washington state is, is not, you know, quite like in, in pure walkover territory, like, you know, Washington's run defense, but you flip it around. I mean, like Washington state doesn't have a great offense. They're at 61 overall, but they're a lot better than, than Washington, <laughs> you know, um, and they can throw the ball pretty effectively. 
this Oregon defense, they're pretty good at limiting explosive drives, but their drive efficiency numbers at 112, and, is, and and we talked about it a bit, you know, like they're just game after game after game, you know, where teams have been able to, whether it was Fresno, Arizona, Stanford, um, you know, Cal, UCLA, I mean, even Colorado. I mean, everybody's been able to move the ball and put together drives against this Oregon team. I mean, I just, I think, I think Washington state's going to be able to do it. Beta ranks only got this at six and a half. Um, I, I, I like this game to be closer. Yeah, totally agree. Um, you know, watching Oregon against Washington, I, I like, I know die was able to, to do whatever he wanted. I, I walked away from that game, like not impressed. Um, you know, Washington came out with their, their head on fire and I get it right. Like, you know, this is a rivalry game and all that stuff. But the second half, it was funny because I watched this with my dad and my grandpa and I looked over and I said, because the, the game was like, it was like 10 to three. And I said, if and it was in the first half, um, if Oregon scores a touchdown before the end of the half, they're going to cover. Uh, they're not going to win by a ton, but they're going to cover. Because I just like, I didn't trust Washington f- for the life of me. And I just thought that Oregon was good enough to beat, you know, Washington, even though the game started out really poorly and they ended up doing that. Like they just, and they did yeah. just enough, but I do not trust Anthony Brown after all this stuff. Um, I think that their run game is fine, but I'm not like, you know, you know, congratulations. You got four touchdowns and like eight carries against UCLA die. And like you were able to run against Washington. He's fine. He's a good running back, but like I just, I don't think that they're a juggernaut on the ground. And I think that Washington state is, is actually pretty decent. Um, they're, they're front seven. That I think Oregon wins this game. I think Washington State covers this game. If I'm going to bet on Oregon, I'm going to do it in the second half once Washington State's uh, defense is, is worn down because they don't have depth. And I think that's where Oregon starts to pull away. It's in the fourth quarter or the end of the third quarter where they really start putting up points. Um, so, yeah, I, I think 14 is crazy town. When it started at 17, I was like trying to call friends that, that were in other states. <laughs> Like 17. Oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, yeah. Give me, give me the, uh, you know, give me the kooks. I think that, I think that they, they cover this. Um, and I, I'm hoping that I don't have to sweat about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. One last game and this game is dumb. It's so dumb. And it's why it's the last one. USC is a one and a half point favorite on the road against Cal. I don't, I mean like the, pro- the problem here is like who's playing for Cal and we just don't right. know. Um, if this was the real Cal team, I would be on this so fast. I think USC sucks. I think Cal still cares. Um, but the problem is they hit this weird COVID thing and uh, the quarterback, I, I forget his name. I had the, I watched this whole game it was on silent. It was on my second screen and I, you know, we went to Arizona. So I watched it. I have no idea who the quarterback was, but he sucked <laughs> So like, for Cal. So if it's that guy, yeah. then I'm out. If it's, um, right. if it's Garber's. I think Cal should win this game. And if, if like they actually have the players in, but we were talking about this before the podcast. I don't know if they're actually going to see this game because the, the restrictions in California are much more strict than they are elsewhere. It's a, I think they have a 10 day window. I'm not exactly sure what it's going to be. Right. Um, versus like when their quarantine started, um, because it could be where this game falls within the window. <laughs> I just don't know. Um, 
and I haven't seen, and, and maybe somebody else has seen, you know, the, uh, the reporting on this. I haven't seen any like concrete reporting on what they expect and who they expect to be back for this game. Um, but I thought it was odd. I mean, as it is right now, where's this at? This is, I mean, beta rank has this as Cal as a very slight favorite, essentially as a toss up game right now. It opened at USC as a three point favorite. It's already been knocked down to USC one and a half. It's a, I mean, it's, Here's the. I think Cal's defense was mostly fine against Arizona. I thought they played a really good game, frankly. You know, because Arizona has shown that they are have been able to at least move the ball a bit. And they 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 really struggled against this the Cal defense. Um, I think USC doing their incredibly stupid two QB rotation, <laughs> and they're not going to be able to run the football in this game. Um, you know. I, I mean, I think USC is going to do dumb things and not put up a ton of points. Um, but man, like if Garvers plays, Cal's going to put up all, uh, you know, a lot of points against this terrible USC defense. Yeah. I just don't know. Wh- I mean, if Carvers doesn't play, they were, I mean, Cal was awful. Um, Ryan Glover was off. He was 11 to 29. <laughs> Oh yeah, it was it was bad, and you just like the the balls are going out of bounds, and it's just you go like oh my, god. I mean, I mean, I don't even know. It's like Ryan Glover, he's not their backup, is he? I again, like he, game was he on can't the, even be their backup. Like, there's no way. Oh, that is weird. I wonder if the backup was out too. Yeah, this game was on silent, but I like I was watching intently because. Um, I just I was like, oh, this is the one chance where Arizona might actually win a game. <laughs> so I watched this whole right. game on site. So I have no idea who who Glover was, but I'm like, that guy sucks, and they can't he's run the, the ball. He's the only other guy that's taken. He's the only other guy that's really taken snaps this uh, season. So I just, I just went and checked to see if anybody else. Let's see if they put out a depth chart. Okay, it says if Garbers can't play next week, Kai Milner should get a shot. But why wouldn't Kai Milner have played? <laughs> the, oh no. Like maybe, I don't know. Like, so Glover might be the backup. Hold on. I just have to read that. I love sub headlines. Cause like oftentimes, you know, unless you're the New York post, it's really hard like to get a, like a really funny headline past your editors, unless it's like corny, but this is where the editors are great because like the sub headline is always when they get sarcastic. So um, this is sportsillustrated.com. If Chase Garbers can't play, Kai Milner should get a shot. And then the sub-headline is, former, former Ivy Leaguer Ryan Glover did the best he could, but Gahal scored three points. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, this ugh. It's hard. Like, it, how do you pick this game, right? Like, I guess we could talk about USC. I, mean, I, I feel like we should submit our picks via Twitter on this one once we figure out <laughs> what's going on. Yeah. Um, Cause I think, I mean like at least have like it nailed down. Who's going to be playing. Um, Cause I like, I mean, I, I do like, I, I do want to pick Cal in this game. If they, if they have everybody there, including five coaches, <laughs> like um, none of the coordinators, but like, I like them to be able to, to move the ball and put up points. If Garbers is in there, um, you know, I just don't think, I don't know. The one I thing, just, it, yeah. you don't have a feel for it, right? Like, 
No, and the one thing to keep in mind, so I like I just got over COVID, and, like, and I got vaccinated and um, like had a breakthrough case, and I am not in as great shape as these <laughs> these players at Cal are. So full disclosure, I mean, I don't know if you really noticed this, but I am not like, but you know, I'm like fairly in shape. Um, it like if it didn't go away for. You know, it wasn't like, oh, I, I've had my seven days of COVID. I'm I'm good now. <laughs> like, you know, there is it, it the reason when um, if you were betting college basketball and teams went into a COVID pause and like they would come back from COVID and then they would just like teams that were on a COVID break that came back were like one in 7,000 against the spread. <laughs> like It was this yeah. crazy, crazy. And I get it now. Like as somebody that like, because you come back and you're still it's just, you're just lethargic. And, um, and depending on like, you know, I didn't have any breathing problems, thank God, but like I could feel my body just really trying to get better. Um, I'm sure these guys, um, get over it faster cause they are, they are gladiators <laughs> basically. Um, but I, I still think, you know, let's say the team actually got it. Um, it, it, it's a problem. It, it's a problem. Like even if you're back on the field, it's like you know recovering from the flu, and then the next week you're playing football again. And it's always funny to hear the commentators say, "Oh, he'll be back." I'm like, "Yeah, but is he going to be healthy? Like, you know, right. what are they going to inject into him to get him get him back to to 100?" So that's something else to keep a lookout for. I just flipping to USC. Um, this t- I just think this team has has given up. Like you mentioned, the two quarterback system I think is crazy town. The defense is awful, um, and and teams have figured out Graham Harrell, and they've they've figured out Graham Harrell Harrell for the last two and a half years, right? Like, I mean, yeah. Has, has there been anything in this offense where you feel like, oh, on paper at the beginning of the year, we're like, oh, you know, uh, when you have Slovis coming back and you have these wide receivers and you get the Colorado kid coming in and they won't be able to run the ball, but man, they can throw it. Where where have we seen in this entire game outside of London that they could actually throw the ball? Like nowhere, right? We nowhere. Like not even remotely. Like I just I mean they can. They're just not I mean, without London, they're not nearly as much of a weapon um as you'd like, you know. Like they, they really struggle to to throw the football and like com- I mean, compared to what you'd expect with London there. And I just don't I don't buy and I don't think anyone should if they're doing this QB rotation is that they're going to have any kind of continuity, you know, and, and this Cal defense is going to be better. You know, it's going to be more like the ASU defense. You know, I just think they're really going to struggle, you know, like I think they're really going to struggle in this game offensively. And when we've talked about, I mean, the defense is just really bad. And I don't think, I don't think the defense at this point has any hope of getting any better. Yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, keep a lookout for if, if they, if Cal actually got COVID or not, right. Cause there were some negative, I, I, from what I read, there was a little bit of frustration from the Cal staff, uh, slash a lot of frustration on the stringent rules. So keep a lookout to see if they actually had COVID, if it was a negative test and people just had a quarantine to be safe, um, versus the team actually getting it and keep a lookout to see who plays this game. Because if it's the real Cal team, Cal should should beat the tar out of, of USC. I, and this is at home yeah. for them too. If it's like, Hey, it's this random person we've never heard of playing quarterback and, you know, a bunch of like C teamers. 
Uh, they might still win, but I wouldn't bet on it. Right. So, um, so keep keep a lookout for that game. We'll 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 put our uh, picks up here um, for the Stanford game for the Cal game once we get some more information. Rob, anything else you want to cover here? No, no, we we covered a lot. Yeah, yeah, a lot going on in the conference. Um, stay tuned. We will continue to crank through our previews and reviews of every week. Um, if you have any questions, send them send them our way. Uh, I'm at 12 Pack Radio and can always add them to the podcast. Rob, uh, where can people find you? You find me at Beta Rank FB or at Sharp College Football. You got you got the Saturday Six yet? Who are you covering on YouTube? Uh, we are covering. Got some good ones. I am going to do the. Uh, Oregon Washington State game, um, yeah, and then <clears throat> Baylor Oklahoma, um, Michigan Penn State, some good games. There's actually some pretty good games this week, um, but it's just increasingly like I mean, man, Georgia looks so good. Oh like, my gosh, just, yeah. Just <laughs> they like when keep if you are a gambler, look out for that spread against Alabama. And because Vegas is going to Vegas might be on the hook because people are going to bet Alabama regardless. Holy Moses, like Georgia's line is is going to push them around. Um, I'm very excited about that. This might be, you know, it's like those years when um, like in college basketball, when the Tyler Hansborough team, they're like, this is the number one team. And then it was the number one team. And then the number one team won the championship. Like, I kind of feel like that's going to be the college football playoff this year. I don't yeah. know. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just I I don't think that there's anybody really close to Georgia right now. I mean, you're going to have to even Alabama is probably in a position where they have to hope for two turnovers to be able to hang with them. Oh, and they're winning with the kid with the FedEx hat on or whatever. Like the, the defense is yeah. just so disgusting. And, you know, they're able to put up enough points. And um, yeah, it's pretty yeah. crazy. Um, all right, cool. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We will catch everybody next week.